the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Brian Russell, and today this is going to be a solo cast, and I'm going to talk about some of my favorite topics, and that would be fear, courage, and faith. We've begun a new year, and I think it's a great time to reflect on what is probably ultimately holding us back from being all in as the people that God has called us to be. And I'm going to say that that's fear. What are you really afraid of? Can you answer that? Sit with that for a minute. And if you find this episode helpful, I would please consider sharing it. I'd love to get my podcast out to more folks. Also, if if you... are interested in some of the topics that I talk about, I invite you to check out the show notes. You'll find links to my resources. And the easiest place to connect with me is brianrussellphd.com. You also can find links to my books. Those are Amazon affiliate links. And one of the ways that you can support the podcast if you enjoy it is if you shop on Amazon anyway, not just for my books, but for anything, if you click through the links that I have listed. You can shop for whatever you want and a very small kind of royalty payment would come back to me. It doesn't affect what things cost for you, but I get an affiliate sort of reward uh, and that can go towards supporting the hosting for this podcast. So love, if you love the podcast, love you. It's one easy way that doesn't cost you anything to support the work that I'm doing here. So let's jump in to fear. I used to have a Great Dane, and his name was Sir Morpheus Maximus. And when he stood on his back legs and I would pick him up and pretend like I was dancing with him, I could put his front paws on my shoulders. And those of you who haven't met me, I'm almost six foot one inches tall. And Morpheus would look me straight in the eye. So my dog was, if he could have stood straight up, over six feet tall. He was a skinny Great Dane, so he weighed in at a mere 150 some pounds. When Morpheus would bark, the earth would shake. When he would run, you could feel him coming. But what was interesting, and the story that I'm going to tell you took place in November, maybe 2006, uh, 07, 08, somewhere in there. It was after Halloween, and I'm sleeping in my bedroom, and I hear Morpheus growling in fear. Now, I'm scared, too. My daughters are on the other side of the house. I don't know what's going on. I just kind of woke up. I grabbed my glasses, and I opened the bedroom door, and I could literally smell Morpheus's fear. If you've ever been around a scared dog, they release this pungent scent when they get frightened. And he was over on the opposite side of the house and his hair was standing up. He was terrified. So I'm a little nervous, but as I got closer and so I could assess, my worry shifted immediately to laughter because I saw what Morpheus was afraid of. Again, I mentioned it was November, so we had had for Halloween 
a mylar balloon that was shaped like a ghost. And I think one of my daughters had let it go and it was had been up on the ceiling. We had high ceilings in this house. And so at some point it lost enough of the helium that it had dropped down in the night and literally Sir Morpheus Maximus in the presence of a balloon ghost had transformed from a 150 pound monster sized dog into Scooby Doo. You know, I picked up the balloon and put it in a, in a room so it wouldn't scare Morpheus anymore. But as I walked back to the bedroom, hoping I was going to get some sleep, I thought to myself, well, we're all afraid of something, aren't we? What are you afraid of? It's interesting when you think about scripture, how many times when God shows up or an angel shows up, does God immediately say, fear not, fear not, I am with you. When Joshua was poised to move into the promised land, God told him not to be afraid that no one was going to be able to stand against you because of God's presence. And he said, be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. Now, that's all well and good. But the problem is we're all afraid of things. I had the privilege of being in a, a, new, pro, a new coaching program and uh, one of the coaches, Sid Agarwal, shared some teachings from a book called Fear, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. And I found it really helpful because if we don't get a hold of fear in our lives, we'll never be able to step into the life that God has called us to live. You know, and I have to ask myself as I've been thinking about fear, you know, God says, fear not, right? I'm with you. How many opportunities have I missed out in my life because of fear, right? And in Susan Jeffers' book, she makes these sort of almost common sense remarks about fear, and I want to share them with you here. Then we're going to go even deeper because not only does the scripture say, um, fear not, Scripture also tells us and talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, like, what's going on there? So we're not supposed to be afraid, but we're supposed to be afraid of God. So how does that all work? But first, was the beautiful sound of a motorcycle. It almost sounded like Morpheus. If you heard that sound, I apologize. But if we get a handle on fear, we can move forward, right? And... So here's, here's some things. Number one, fear is part of the human experience, and fear doesn't go away, right? Fear is actually wired into our nervous systems to protect us. You know, no one's ever mistaken a snake for a stick, but you've probably mistaken a stick for a snake. That's our fear response. It makes us super vigilant, right? We all know the anxiety that comes with fear, right? And many times you go into a situation you're afraid. So let's just notice that fear is part of the human condition. It's a good thing 
initially because it protects us. It signals that, hey, there's a threat out there, right? But fear can be crippling if the object of our fear, if we get that wrong, because here's the truth, and this is going to be a little theological, whatever you're afraid of is your God, right? If you're, fair, if you're afraid of looking dumb in front of people, well, just think of the limits that that puts on your life and that the, the, how, how that actually rules you, right? If you're afraid of failing, you're never going to show up and try to succeed, so whatever we're afraid of functionally becomes a God in our lives, which again, I'm going to connect that back. That's why the scriptures probably say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm going to kind of rush to the end here because here's the, here's the point about that. And I'm going to take a deeper dive, but let me just give you this idea, right? The only thing that we're supposed to fear loves us unconditionally, wants to transform us, right? Everything else that we fear, we fear because we think it's going to do something bad to us, that something bad is going to happen. So fear's wired into us to protect us, right? Now, the only way you're ever going to get through fear of anything other than fear of God is to step into it. So it's to feel the fear, do it anyway. That's what courage is, right? Courage is feeling fear and moving forward anyway. It's not the opposite of fear, because here's, here's the truth. Everybody's afraid of stuff, even Sir Morpheus Maximus, right? The difference between people who are afraid and move forward and people who are afraid and stay frozen, the difference is courage. So courage is the key that unlocks the door to the future that God invites us to walk into. Courage is the key, right? Because the opposite of fear, it's not courage, it's weakness. Because without courage, we give up. So the only way to cultivate courage is to feel the fear and let that be sort of a north star for us and then step into it and do the action and then that fear will slowly go away. You also allow yourself to feel better because nothing feels worse than that sense of I was a coward. I didn't do, I didn't step into it. I missed out on this great opportunity because I was afraid. We've all been there, all right. It's part of my really deep work on myself, and this is a just a truly a breakthrough. Right at the end of 2023, is I realized that my deepest fear isn't really the fear of the Lord. My deepest fear is that I would lose the love of the people that I cared about the most if I committed 100% to my gifts, my passions, my sense of calling, and my values without first providing a hedge for everybody else. That fear has essentially dro drove me into bouts of workaholism over the years, worrying about Am I really, should I really be doing this thing that I'm sensed I'm called to, right? It's a crippling thing. I've noticed it's just held me back. And so I'm trying to cut that off and step into that fear with courage now and in faith and trust in the God who says that God's going to be with me so that I can finally step fully in to what God has always had in my heart.
So I'm letting that fear be my North Star. I feel the fear and I'm going to step into it. Again, remember this, everybody's afraid. Everybody. The difference is some people cultivate courage. And here's another truth, though. And listen to this one, right? This is a powerful statement. Pushing through whatever you're afraid of in your life is ultimately less frightening than living in, a, in the state of helplessness and weakness that comes from not confronting what we're afraid of. Let me say that again. Pushing through fear is ultimately less frightening than living in a state of helplessness and weakness that comes from not confronting our fear. Again, those are takeaways from Susan Jeffers' book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Maxie Dunham has a quotation that I've always loved. It's that most people prefer the hell of a predictable situation over the potential joy of an unpredictable situation or to risk the joy of an unpredictable situation. And fear is the thing that cuts in there. So what are you afraid of again? And how can you begin to take baby steps to lean into this? Okay. Now, how do you cultivate courage? If courage is the key, if courage is the antidote, I mean, we can just do it on our own strength, which is feel fear and step into it. But I want to give this a theological framework a little bit and give you some ideas that can also help you in your relationship with God. Because a lot of people have questions about... Uh, what do we do with those statements that God says, fear not, but then God also says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let me just give a couple of examples. Obviously, that, that phrase comes from the Proverbs, but it also occurs in Psalm 111. And I want to read the last verse of Psalm 111. This is verse 10. And Psalm 111 and 112 go together. They're kind of a unit in the Psalter. And listen to the first, the last verse of Psalm 111 and the first verse of Psalm 112. Verse 10 of 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And then 112 begins. Praise the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord, who greatly delight in his commandments. So did you hear that, right? Happy are those who fear him. You know, um, why does scripture call us to fear God? And how can learning to fear God in the way that the Bible talks about, how can that actually help us to confront the deep fears in our own lives? Well, I've found in my reading of scripture that the Bible, that you know, it's the word of God, but on a more existential level, I found that the Bible's a powerful book precisely because it has the ability to cut through my own inner world and describe the heart, my heart condition. It reflects both our ambitions and our dreams. It recognizes our potential for greatness and failure. It doesn't sugarcoat life in this world. The Bible knows our motivations. It calls out our self-centered ambitions. It helps us to dream the kind of big dreams that God wants us to. And it continuously challenges us to realign ourselves 
with the ethic and the purposes of what God's doing in the world. And so to do this, it provides new frameworks for understanding our drives. And the fear of the Lord is one of those frameworks. We just said fear is part of human existence, right? When you read enough psychology, and this is an overstatement, but modern psychology basically summarizes what drives us into two categories, avoiding pain and pursuing pleasure. So in other words, to put, uh, we are motivated by either fear of pain or the pursuit of pleasure, which you'd also call love. And so fear plays a role in helping us to avoid pain and harm. Fear keeps us alive in moments when we face life's threatening situation. But the problem is our object of fear. If we fear the wrong things, we may, will, we, we won't just may, we will miss out on God's larger vision for our lives. Because whatever we fear, as I said, controls us. It becomes a form of adult idolatry. If our internal fear response served us in the past to warn us of danger, this fear can begin to gain power over us. This can thwart the work that God wants to do in our lives. I remember when I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher who controlled our class by screaming at us, literally. She was terrifying, at least for me. I didn't ever hear my parents yell or raise their voices. And so I'm at school and this teacher would just yell. It scared me. And I remember one day I returned to school after being absent because I had been sick for a couple of days. And as soon as the opening bell rang, this teacher announced that she needed to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with the class. Now, this caused me at that time to lower my guard because in my family, when we talked about heart-to-heart, -heart, that was always deep but affirming conversations wrapped in love. But I soon discovered that day that to my teacher, heart-to-heart -heart meant publicly dressing down the class as a whole as well as individuals. I've, like I said, I've never heard, even to this day, my parents raise their voices in anger at one another. And in 2024, my parents will, will be married 60 years. So as a nine-year-old fourth grader, the teacher's angry tone terrified me. I was scared. And then, to my horror, she called me to stand up in front of the entire class. She stuck a paper in my face and screamed, Brian, is this yours? And I was shaking. I was embarrassed. And I couldn't think straight. And she yelled it again. And I took the paper and there was no name on it. She told me that it was subpar work and that I should be ashamed of myself for it, as well as I should be ashamed of myself for not writing my name at the top. And I started to cry in front of the whole class. And I was super sensitive. I still am. And the tears just added to my shame and embarrassment as I felt the eyes of the whole class on me. And I just meekly said, I'm sorry. I always try to do my best. And then she said to me, your best is not good enough today, Brian. Get back into your seat. I shuffled to my seat as quickly as I could. And she moved on to the next student. So I had a chance to collect myself and and then something really funny happened. I started looking at the paper, and it wasn't even mine. I would not even been to school the day that the class had turned that in. But you know what? I was too scared to speak up in my own defense. You know, that Vin, I can look back, and I can still feel it. That Vin scarred me. 
and, and that scars had followed me all the way to adulthood. In fact, you know what? I should probably say this publicly, but if somebody starts screaming, I get massively, I just feel it in my body, and I get turned back into a little scared little boy. And over the years, I've withheld my opinions. I've not spoken my truth in different contexts within relationships and meetings out of fear that somebody might yell at me. And this fear became a chain that bound me. You know, it hurt, hurt, it's hurt relationships. It's given certain personality types more power over me in work situations, friendships than I'd probably care to admit. It's caused me to act cowardly at times when I had the opportunity to step into a situation and act for good. Fears robbed me of much of my potential joy. And I only share that because it's vital. You know, what, what am I, what are you really afraid of? Ask yourself that. What troubles me? What do I most seek to avoid? What triggers me? And when you answer those questions, maybe some, I hope you don't have any bad memories like I have, but if you have memories like that, just notice how those have put chains on you for your life. You know, so when, you know, when an author just says, you know, move past fear, it's not as simple. Because fear is part of our human experience. And this brings us back to scripture again. So what's the deal with fear of the Lord? You know, and that's not just an Old Testament idea either. You know, Philippians 2 says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. God wants to be our one and only, Deuteronomy 6 says, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. God isn't just one God among many. God isn't just an energy field that permeates the universe. God literally created the universe. God stands outside of that. As the Psalm 113 says, Who is like the Lord our God who's seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? So the fear of the Lord finds its roots in human nature. We're programmed for fear. It's not a matter of eliminating our fears, but rather aligning fear with its only legitimate object. That's the fear of the Lord. To fear any part of creation is to dishonor the Creator. To fear any person is to dishonor the Creator. It's God alone who will ultimately, will ultimately stand before. Thus, to fear anything or anyone other than God is to practice idolatry. And so if I want to live freely without fear, I must only fear the Lord. Now, listen carefully, because I'm not talking about being terrified of God, because that is the exact opposite of what I'm saying, because God, we don't fear God because God is scary or mean or vindictive or cruel or unhinged or wrathful. It's simply because God deserves our fear. That doesn't necessarily go down easy, but it's vital medicine if you want to take the next step in your life, if you want to walk in holiness as we seek to live and grow as the people that God created us to be. Because the Bible warns against two great sins to faith and life. One is idolatry. The other one is injustice. And when we lose or we don't have that anchor of fear of the Lord, we open ourselves up to both of those negatives. First, we fall prey to exalting some part of creation that we're afraid of over the Creator. And that, my friends, is simply idolatry. We lose the distinctive Lord 
in favor of some mix of other things, other competing gods, goddesses, ideas that, that we're really afraid of. And second, when we lose our fear for the God, we exalt ourselves over others, and that can lead to injustice, or we exalt our fear of another person, a powerful person, a scary person over God, and then we allow injustices to take place around us. We fail to love others as much as we love ourselves, or we love others more than we love ourselves. Both of those are forms of kind of injustice. Others become objects. A healthy fear of God can serve as a hedge against idolatry, injustice, and false security. But there's good news, and here's, and here's the good news of this whole thing. A healthy fear of God, again, protects us from these negative things, but here's the good news. The only being that Scripture commands us to fear loves us unconditionally. And that brings us back to the real theme here. On the flip side of love, of fear is ultimately love. Fear prevents us from loving God wholeheartedly and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And when our only object of our fear is the God who loves us, we're actually free. We're free from cruel taskmasters. We're free from the manipulation of ideology. We're free from the stuff that everybody else is afraid of. We're free from cultural pressures that suffocate and promote a false conformity. And instead, we're free to love God, free to love others, and free to love ourselves. And so how do we move past fear? How do we open ourselves up to more of God's love? The word I would give you is surrender. Feel the fear and trust that God has your best interests at heart and open yourself up and surrender. And friends, I can promise you that you'll meet the God of love. And when you feel that tangibly in your body, not just intellectually, but when you open yourself up and surrender in a posture of surrender, You'll be filled with love, and perfect love casts out all fear. The fear of God morphs into love. And furthermore, you'll have the courage to step into the life that God is calling you to even today. So friends, what are you really afraid of? You heard me share my deepest fear. What are you afraid of? And what would it look like right now to write that down on a piece of paper and then surrender it? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And with it, you'll find the courage. And courage is the key that unlocks the future of God's dreams for you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. You can check out the show notes for some links. If you need to have a conversation, again, reach out. Love to hear from you. I hope 2024 is off to a great start for you. Until next time, live by faith, be known by love, and be a voice of hope in the world.